0: Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from 9. But we caught up with Dr. Annette Barrett, AMA Tasmania spokesperson, around this time last week to talk the 2021 22 state budget. But there's also been a lot going on COVID wise since then, so we thought we'd better check in with Dr. Barrett again this morning. Dr. Barrett, good morning. Welcome back to Tasmania Talks. Thank you for inviting me. So, where are we at with the coronaviruses cases on uh, the mainland? If if I'm correct, it's it's, um, 246 in Victoria. That's just dreadful for them already.
1: It is. It's definitely not what we were hoping for. Um, We do know Victoria is desperately rushing out contact tracing and trying to find the links. and um, unfortunately there are a large number of contact sites at the moment
0: in Victoria and New South Wales just dreadful when you when you think um, that, that we rely in Tasmania on a lot of those people visiting well that's not going to be the case for a while with an indefinite lockdown for Victoria until they reach they're saying 70% but we're not terribly sure whether it's 70 or 80 or 90 vaccination rates I mean what where are we at with that at the moment Doctor? Maybe you can help is it 80, 70, 80? Look
1: the Victorian Government is saying 70 um, they've Commonwealth Government has been saying somewhere between 70 and 80 and so uh, as you can tell it's just not there at this stage. Not at all. Victoria at the moment has 60.3% of its population having had its first dose so it is approaching that 70% but when they talk about releasing restrictions they're not talking about open slather and going back to normal life they're talking about reducing some of the restrictions they're not talking about completely coming out of lockdown at 60 percent or 70 percent
0: because how are our vaccine rates looking here in tassie as compared i mean we're still still leading the way i'm gathering in in the double dose 45.3 percent is that accurate we're
1: 45.3 act is just ahead of us at 45.9 but we're doing really well um we're 62.6 with first dose which is really good. We're doing well. I mean, obviously, we want everybody vaccinated. We want that figure to be 100% eventually but we're doing well at
0: the moment. Are we still getting any hesitant I mean I, I believe it or not I had someone stand up and get on our soapbox and talk about ivermectin which um, I used to use ivermectin on my pets for parasites and worm control etc and this guy was uh, quite concerned about it but he had every right to get up there and he he believed solidly in ivermectin so that just goes to say I mean there are some people out there believing seeing things on social media, read, read media, reading a lot of these things and being quite uh, frightened or in necessarily going to the vet. Even the vets were saying that the people are getting more ivermectin. This is hard to believe.
1: Oh, it, it is tragic. Um, people need to be listening to reputable sources, to the government, to the AMA, to their GP. We need to be listening to the people who have done the actual research and not read it on Facebook or social media. Mm. And I know people are scared. Um, but they need to be trusting. There is no reason for the government or for their doctors to lie to them. We want people to be listening to advice so we can all come out the other side. This is a national crisis and people need to, oh dear, I sound dreadful saying it, they need to trust us. We have no, we as in the medical profession, have no incentive to be putting out false information.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. I mean, I've, we try and tell people go to the GP, go to the uh, reputable sources, but then they are so convinced to hear the way that they are so you know they believe in it so much. I, it's just uh, gobsmacking as far as I'm concerned. Uh, in another, just to go back to what we spoke about last time, are you still concerned we couldn't handle an outbreak here in Tassie if if a, a Delta hit us in a big way?
1: Yes. Um Tasmania could not cope um, unless we get our vaccination rates up so that the percentage of people who become desperately sick from the COVID is less. That's the idea of a vaccination. We will still get cases. We know we will get cases when everyone is fully vaccinated. But the majority of them will not require hospitalisation and only a very small percentage will require ICU and ventilation. It's those ones requiring to take up our hospital beds and especially our ICU beds that are going to put the strain on the system. So if we can get everyone vaccinated, yes, people are still going to get COVID, but they're not going to be desperately sick.
0: And also the Prime Minister's concern, he's writing to people over 60 that are uh vaccine hesitant on the astrazeneca what do you say to them i mean i've i've had two astrazeneca my siblings have my wife has uh to me absolutely nothing except some uh, my arm at one stage felt like someone hit her with a brick but that was about it uh and that's happened before when i've had a, a jab for some reason but it, i mean the astrazeneca people over 60 should be having that and they should be into their first uh, waiting for their second
1: definitely it is a safe vaccine all vaccines have side effects, but the side effects of this one uh, have been blown out of proportion by the media, by social media. It, we've had six deaths, and those six deaths are tragic, but we've had ten thousand doses, or ten million doses. That a really really low percentage you would not buy a tax ticket if you thought you had a chance of six in
0: 10 million mm. so the government's ramping up the vaccination efforts and you've mentioned that but opening a number of youth vaccination clinics for people aged mm. 12 to 17 certainly i believe a good move could you uh, whereabouts and what timing what's what's the timing on that if you don't mind
1: Look, I don't have the exact details in front of me. Uh, I do know they're rolling out very rapidly in the next few weeks. They're going to be based in schools. They're going to be based in colleges. They're going to be walk-in centres in in the north and the northwest. And the place to go is into the... um, government website and it's all linked on, on the COVID site. If you type COVID into your website, it's all
0: there. I've actually got some gear. Do you want me to read out? I've got some gear here that just I got, just got handed by my producer, Rhea. Oh, um, bookings are now open to all 12 to 15-year-olds in Tasmania to be vaccinated. Eligibility for this group starts on the 13th of September. 13th of September. Uh, currently 12 to 15 year olds with underlying medical conditions, NDIS recipients or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are eligible for vaccination. Young people uh, booking into a clinic should attend on the day with their parent or guardian and both are encouraged to have a conversation. Complete the consent form together on the day. Uh, bookings can be made by ringing the public health hotline 1800 671738 or online at coronavirus.tas.gov.au and you can book your vaccine. There. So September thirteen for twelve to fifteen year olds. That's a that's a move up the ladder. That's brilliant. We need to get it
1: rolled out to every group as they become kind of eligible. Yeah.
0: How about uh, what about Tasmanians aged eighteen to twenty nine? They seem to have been skipped in the rollout here in Tassie. Are they eligible yet?
1: not quite yet but they will be Um, as soon as we've got the more vulnerable populations we know this delta strain is is, um, spreading rapidly in young people so those people in that age group will be eligible as soon as we've got sufficient numbers
0: scientists from uh, james cook university's australian institute of tropical health and medicine published modelling in the medical journal of australia which shows children and young people aged 12 to 40 years should have priority access to the Pfizer vaccine to reach herd immunity your thoughts on that
1: Oh, look, there's a lot of modelling going on at the moment. Um, If we had sufficient Pfizer to roll it out to everyone in the eligible age groups tomorrow, we would be doing it. Um, But unfortunately, we don't. We have to get Pfizer from overseas. It's not a vaccine that we can produce in Australia. Mm. So we're having to be strategic in where we can roll it out, which populations we can get quickly. Um, The younger population um, with underlying conditions we know where we can get them they're from the NDIS we can identify those people the people who go to colleges are a fixed population that we can identify quickly and get the vaccine to so we have to be strategic we just don't have sufficient yet
0: speaking with Dr Annette Barrett AMA Tasmania spokesperson now we've got Pfizer vaccine boosters on the way. Um, so, are these uh, boosters not necessary for not necessary for AstraZeneca, or is there a different booster? What's what's the because people often talk about the efficacy of six to eight months or shorter, this yeah. longer that. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying.
1: Oh yeah, we know that both vaccines are going to need boosters down the track. We don't. We know the modelling for the Pfizer because of its shorter um, period between the first and second. There's a larger population overseas that have had two doses and they've been able to strain, sorry, um, examine the antibodies as they fall in the blood overseas. So we do know that Pfizer definitely needs a booster the figures are not as good for the AstraZeneca as knowing when they'll be needed but yes they will need a booster and we know that's when happens similar to the flu vaccine Mm. Um, people need an annual booster it's going to be like that with the COVID vaccine. So
0: it's obviously going to be an ongoing thing so what about Moderna Um, we should see that arrive in Australia soon and I was reading this morning that um, yes it's supposed to be arriving soon but there could be a delay already with with uh, the Moderna vaccine.
1: Yes. Uh, again, it's logistics of getting things in and out of Australia at the moment. Um, there has been a delay. We know Moderna will be rolled out through the pharmacies once it's in, in Australia. And the same thing will happen. There will need to be two doses um, and there mm. will need to be a booster down the track. It's, it's what happens with these vaccines. Um, we'll, we'll need to keep people's immunity up until the body gets used to this particular virus. Yeah. And 50 years in the time when people look back at this crisis... They'll be identifying the rapid learning curve that happened at this stage.
0: Oh, I can hardly wait. (laughs) We're hearing more and more examples too. A doctor of businesses requiring staff to be vaccinated. Qantas, uh, Mona Museum here in Tassie. What are your thoughts on this?
1: I think that's an individual business decision, but certainly businesses where people are exposed to a population, I think it's a great idea. I wouldn't. I think I've said before I would prefer the, the carrot rather than the stick, so whenever possible to encourage people to, vac- to be vaccinated voluntarily. But if the business wishes to make a decision that they feel that they need to force their, pop- their employees to do so, that's a business decision that they they will model. Um as you know, the AMA has come out very strongly in support of the federal government's policy that all healthcare workers must be vaccinated. Mm. And we, we strongly support that. Um, individual businesses, they do what they believe is right for their population.
0: And, Doctor, what about vaccine passports? A very hot topic at the moment.
1: As long as they can be done in such a way as to be unhackable, and unfakeable i think they will be something that we will see in the future people will have to prove their vaccination status to be able to travel and to be able to enter some premises
0: just a matter travel. of t- time before they're rolled out really
1: definitely as long as they're they're going to have to be secure in some way that people can't fake them which is a tragic reflection on people's habits what
0: mm. uh, about when we last we spoke we were talking about uh, the desperate need for uh, you know a, a surge planning to be put in place um, has has anything moved in that area because you were talking about how many potential uh, v- ventilators icu bed, beds etc in tasmania that, uh, whether we could cope with an outbreak and we're suggesting borders you know can be open people will be coming to tasmania obviously even if you are vaccinated there's a chance you could get covid but obviously you're not going to die from it etc but tell me um, about the surge planning is is there something in place yet you had a concern about that last time we spoke.
1: I know there's ongoing discussions happening within the within the department, at a very high level. Um, I'm not myself privy to it, but I know our state president is part of those discussions about how things are going to be rolled out, what we can do to protect Tasmania. It's going to take time. Um, we know the funding in Tasmania has been uh, behind the eight ball in getting things ready in the past, but I know the state government is very keen to get things rolling, it is going to take time. We just need to make sure that we don't get COVID in Tasmania uh, untrammeled until we've had a chance to get ready.
0: Yeah, good call. Uh, The the situation does concern me, though, that we still have people saying hospitals just aren't coping now at the moment. Ambulances, shortage of beds. And I know government's throwing this millions of dollars going in, but it doesn't seem to be anything that is um, available immediately, does it?
1: Look, it takes time. We have been telling the government for a very long time that Tasmania's health system has been underfunded, underprepared and underdesigned. Unfortunately, it's been proven true, but it's going to take time to fix it. Um, mm. The government is listening now, um, and I'm not going to sit here saying I told you so because that's pointless, but what we do need to do is it's going to take time and the government needs to keep talking to the organisations, the AMA, the ANF the HACSU to make sure our plans are long-term proof, that we know where we're going five years, ten years, as well as
0: the next six months. And um, there's obviously talk of a shadow pandemic and we did hear um, from Premier Peter Gutmann, who's uh, who had ended up in hospital after overworking and even he's mm-hmm. saying uh, not listening to his body. An important message really and one that I'm sure will be taking a toll on health workers. This is, is really the hard work, probably the, the mental strain. This is a shadow pandemic we don't need.
1: Oh, exactly. People need to listen to their bodies. They need to be watching their colleagues and their friends and supporting them when they become exhausted. It's dreadful in the health in the health system. We know that's been happening because of our overloaded health system in Tasmania even before the pandemic. We had healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals burning out and leaving the profession because of the strain. COVID has not helped and has made it more difficult. We need to be protecting people who mm-hmm. look like they're getting tired. Look for the signs of burnout. People who are more angry, less positive. People who are... Spending more hours and producing less, those signs of burnout. We need to support people and encourage people to take breaks when they need them, and decent breaks. Not you know, don't take a 24 hours off. Take four or five days and have mm. a good break, get away, start or get away as far as you can. There's lots of beautiful places in Tasmania that you're to visit at the moment, and do things that make you feel better and support other people to do these
0: things it's quite fitting considering that are you okay day is coming up on wednesday but if we we move on to other issues the state government's announced some certainty for tasmanians only children's cancer clinical trials unit which certainly must be good news
1: oh it's fabulous news this is something that the um health department and health services in tasmania have wanted for a long time As you can imagine, a child with cancer is traumatic for the entire family. And if they have to have repeated trips interstate for treatments, that's Mm. an unnecessary burden. This unit will allow at least part of their treatment to be held locally so they can have their extended family support. Parents can remain in employment, which is one of the biggest issues when they have to go interstate. Does one parent go with the child and does the other parent stay home? to keep working or do they give up employment. Mm. So this way the child will be able to stay for at least part of their treatment um, locally which is fabulous news.
0: Look it's been uh, great to talk with you again Dr Annette Barrett, AMA Tasmania spokesperson I do appreciate your time, I know you're a very uh, busy doctor so uh, thank you again and uh, well I'm I'm pretty sure we'll be having a chat in the near future. (laughs) Thanks Mike. Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from 9.